You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Matthew chapter 15, your Bibles please, Matthew chapter 15, enjoy the singing tonight. I would like to help you, if I possibly can, tonight, if you'll listen to me very carefully, you'll find out that I'll speak truth as I tell you what you can expect in the new building. I want you to listen, please. Please listen, especially the pastor, please listen. When you have a smaller auditorium with a low ceiling, you can can get that spirit going. I mean, the singing's great. Am I right, Brother Jay? I mean, I I told our folks, I said, I've been trying to prepare y'all for a year before we moved into our big, giant auditorium. And people came to me and laughed at me. and said, Preacher, you've been been preparing us for six years. I couldn't believe it, but I mean, I, I, I can't keep track of time, but please listen to me. Great singing. Boy, it excites you, don't it? I mean, ain't nothing like Just think about how heaven's going to be one day. Some of you dead Baptists are going to actually run the aisle and shout a little bit, and nobody will accuse you of being a charismatic. But anyway, but when you get into that minute that much cubic feet, you're going to have to sing out. It's easy to sound loud here, but when you move into there, uh, what we what we did, and of course, preacher knows that you know we had to jerk off all our all our pews because the carpet, right? We took it up, and then what I did is I trimmed the carpet. Where if you know how pews are, you know the pews here, and then of course the braces here. We put the the carpet to the brace, but not under the brace, which means we never have to pull the the pews up anymore. We put carpet down the aisle, and then we of course we acid stained under hard surface. So when you sing, it just absolutely bounces, explodes off of there. Yeah. You'll either, you'll either listen to an old veteran, because I ain't no Sunday school boy. I've been around for a while. And if you want, to, if you want this type of singing, you're going to have to design your auditorium to that degree. The piano, all of our musical instruments on hard surfaces. And it feels the cubic Feet. Now, understand what I'm saying. I didn't say square foot. It just said cubic feet because you're going to have higher ceilings, which means you have to sing harder and louder, and everything's going to have to be louder. Preaching, too. Shoot, man, where do you get that for free? (laughs) I just gave you all that for free. That ain't even preaching. That's for free. That's, That's an old man that preached all over this country every week of my life, and I've been in auditoriums. It's good preaching auditoriums and some that are not. And this is a good auditorium. I love it like this. Brother Angel will be here in just a little bit. He, of course, inherited that, that ministry there. And the building was a brown, ugly-looking building. It was a... The Lord was embarrassed. The devil was even embarrassed of that building. <laughs> it was a low ceiling. I'm telling you right now, it was as low as that ceiling right there. I mean, I could preach and I'd do like that, and I'd knock one of the tiles out. I remember he asked Brother Howes to come over there, and Brother Howes came, and Brother Terry parked all of his buses against the road, kind of hit his building, and Brother Howes looked at the situation because he wanted to build. At the time, we did a vision limited for him and raised a bunch of money for him, and Brother Howes looked around, and he said, you know, Brother Andrews, he said, most fundamental independent Baptist churches, he said they build a beautiful building and hide their buses behind the building, <laughs> the old messed up bus. He said, you put the buses out front to hide your ugly building. <laughs> but it's a low ceiling, man. It's exciting. And then you go into this big auditorium. I'm excited for you in your future, but I'm trying to warn you. Can't mumble. You're going to have to sing out when you get in that big building, okay? Matthew 15. Man, that's pretty good advice there for nothing. And you'll find out. And you're going to be excited, and the people of the community are going to be excited for sure. Matthew 15, I want to help you tonight again, kind of dovetail with this morning. 
Pick it up, uh, if you would, in verse 21, 15, 21, if you would please. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him and saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. I want to speak a little while on the subject, what to do when God doesn't speak. Or what to do when God ain't talking to you. Now, I enjoyed the service thus far, and if we did nothing else, it'd be fine. But I'm going to tell you right now, I've been in this a long time. I'm not a novice. I've been saved for a long, long time. And if this preacher tried to walk with God and loved him with all of his heart, I've seen times when it seems like God was speaking to me. And then there's been other times where I just didn't hear his voice. And if you've been saved any length of time, there's going to come a time in your Christian life where it just seems like God ain't talking to you. You love your pastor, you love your Lord, you love your... But it just seems like something ain't happening in your life spiritually. It's like a dead zone. You've been saved any length of time. You know what I'm talking about. When you read your Bible, it seems like it's not speaking. You're sitting here and hearing the preacher used to amen. Now it doesn't seem like it's jee-hawing too much. And I don't care how old you are. And you may go years and years and years before that ever happened. There's, but if you've been saved any length of time, you don't get to the point where it seems like God has stopped speaking to you. And I want to speak on that subject. Father, help us, please. On this night in this wonderful church, Lord, we have prayed for this place and these wonderful folks. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts and have us to understand, Lord, when this happens, that we're not to pull up stakes. We're not, we're not to say, well, we're not being fed, so we need to go somewhere else. We need to understand that when you're not speaking, there's a reason. And so I pray somehow we would understand what to do when, you, when you're not speaking. I pray that we'd take the example of this Seraphonician woman, pray that you'd help us and bless us in Jesus' name. And amen, you may be seated. I've been saved many, many years, and there's times, there's actually times in my life where it seems like I, I, did, I could do no wrong. It seemed like everything I touched turned to gold. And then there's been other times in my life where it seemed like I couldn't do anything right. I've seen joy, and I've seen sadness. I've scaled Mount Pisgah's heights, only to be brought down to the valley of Elah to face my Goliath. I don't care who you are in this room, and it's going to come a time in your life where it's like you, you hit a brick wall. It's going to come a time in your life when it seems like God has stopped speaking to you. I'm simply saying that I've heard the voice of God and the, the person of the Holy Spirit speaking to me through preaching, through a service, even through a song service. I've seen times where God would spoke to me through his word. I've seen times where it just seems like everything was going fine. And then there's been other times where it seemed like I was shunned by God. I spoke a little bit on that subject this morning, but it seemed like I have. And see, there's, there's been good times and bad times, I want to try and say, but there's never been such a bad time as when God is not speaking to me. I mean, I want you to look at verse 23, and he answered her not a word. I'm talking about the same Lord that you said love us so much, and he's such a wonderful God. Here's a woman that came with a problem and uh, going through heartache, and she said, have mercy on me. Are y'all with me? Y'all with the same Bible I'm with? Yeah. <clears throat> have mercy on me.
Now, it seems like our Lord would help her. I want you to look at it, please. Her daughter was grievously vexed. I've read through this book many, many times, and I've seen where people were possessed. Uh, I've seen where there people were demon. If you, if you never dealt with that, you're blessed. Uh, some of us have dealt with demon-possessed individuals. It's not a, a, a joyful thing to do. You don't understand the man that was demon-possessed in the tombs, right, when the Lord got there and he was cutting himself, chains could not bind him. I have a preacher friend of mine preached a sermon one time, a nude dude in a rude mood. But anyway, <laughs> the guy in the tombs. Are, are y'all with me tonight? So I see where they're demons, but, but I, look at what he says. But we have an every word Bible, and when my book says she was grievously vexed, there was something going on in that woman's life, that young girl's life, that was more than just demons. What was happening in that home? Brother Abe, what was happening in that home? Was she cutting herself? We got that phenomenon today with people that are messing around with demons, cutting themselves. Was she cutting herself? Was, was, I mean, what was going on? What would make this woman go to the one that she's heard could heal and said, have mercy on me? My daughter's grievously vexed. And he answered her not a word. Man, when I read that, I just wondered, like this Seraphonician woman came and cried to our Lord, and I want you to underline it, please. Have mercy on me. Don't you think the Lord would say, surely, daughter? My daughter is grievously vexed, and you're the only one that can help. I can't go anywhere else. I went to the one that can help me, and she's grievously vexed. Would you please, please have mercy on me? And he answered her not a word. The point I'm trying to make is even in the life of a dedicated Christian, there are times when it seems like God just doesn't care. Could I say that, that God is always in the, in the shadow sometimes? He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We, we know that, but things happen in our lives sometimes when it seems like we can't hear his voice. And it might be that he's not speaking. He's still around. Are y'all with me now? You know, when somebody's mad about something, sometimes they don't speak. Some of you men ought to say amen right there, but that's all right. You know what I'm talking about. And some when there's silence in the home, maybe there's a reason why she's silent, right? I'm just simply saying that here she was and she begged and yet no voice from God. You said, oh, I don't know about that. Well, let me, let me give you some verses. You want to read them. You can. I've got many, many, but I'll just give you a few tonight, okay? How, how about Psalms 13, 1 through 6? How long will thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long will thou hide thy face from me? How long? The great psalmist, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him, but those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. How about Psalms 22 that I read this morning? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why hast thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest me not. And the night season, am I not silent? Everybody in this room would admit to me that there's nobody in this room like Job. Let me tell you what I've been preaching, I guess, for quite a few years now on the crucified life. Most people don't understand that because we don't hear a lot of that preached in our fundamental churches on the crucified life. Used to be some of the old men of God used to preach a lot of it, but we don't hear a lot of that today. There's nobody in this room that can even tie Job's shoes. For his testimony was there's none like him in all the earth. One that fears God and eschewed evil. Oh, wait a minute. That was his testimony among men. But could you read the scriptures when God said, have you considered my servant Job? There's, God said there's none like him in all. God's testimony about his servant was there's none like him. Now think about that for a minute. Because we can have a testimony. We can have a reputation. Reputation what man thinks you are. Character is what God knows you are. There's a lot of guys with great reputation with poor character with God Almighty. 
God said about Job, exactly what the men were saying about Job, there ain't none like him in all the earth. Are y'all with me tonight? Amen. And yet God allowed Job to go through the deep waters that he went through. Job didn't lose some. <clears throat> Job lost everything, <clears throat> including his 10 children. Yet he never sinned with his lips or charged God foolishly. Let me give you a verse for him because some of you are doubting I'm saying that when God stops speaking to us, but I've read enough scripture and there's many more I can show you when and there's times when God just. Let me, tell you, let me show you what Job says in Job 30, verse 20 and 21. I cried unto thee and thou dost not hear me. I stand up and thou regardest me not. Thou art become cruel to me. With thy strong hand, thou opposest thyself against me. Wow. You know what, folks? When you're going through a hard time, if there's anybody, you can come to the pastor. We'll try to comfort you any way we can with kind words. But if there's anybody that can comfort you, it's got to be him comforting you. And at times, that just don't come just as easy as sometimes we think it does. And he answered her not a word. I'm so, I showed you that even in the life of a dedicated Christian, there are times when it seems like the Lord doesn't care. I don't mind going through the trials and tribulations. I talked a little bit about that this morning. But see, I don't mind going through it as long as i got the ear of God and he's leading me through it. There's going to be times when you're not going to understand things happening in the ministry and people are going to hurt you deep. You've got to be careful to guard your heart, your wife especially. She's more emotional. That's the way God designed women. <clears throat> got to guard your heart, not harden your heart. A lot of times those that you love the most will hurt you the worst. And you got to be careful of that. And the truth of the matter is, is if we're not careful, when we go through the trials, as long as I have his ear and he's speaking to me, I can, he can walk me through the trials. But boy, when he's not speaking, dear God, help me. I want, to be, I want him to speak to me through the ordeal. I can make it through the... But at times it seems like heaven is brass, the Bible is a closed book, and the Spirit of God is on vacation. At these times, please listen, I'm trying to help you as a pastor. At these times when it seems like God is not speaking to you, you need to be careful lest Satan take advantage of you. Could I say this to you? That there is a spirit in this world, and if you don't understand it, you've been sleeping. You slept too too long on one side of your head and your brains rolled out on the pillow. But we are in a satanic attack in the United States of America against Christianity and against the United States like we have never been in our life. Why, well, boy, I wonder in the White House is saying nothing because he ain't got nothing to say. I'm simply saying that these deadly quiet seasons is when God becomes still and silent, sometimes it's unbearable. I just want to hear his voice. I sat in service before and I'd hear the preacher preach the same preacher that I absolutely, when I'd hear preaching, God would move my heart. Then all of a sudden it just seemed like it wasn't there. I'm looking at some of you right now and I can tell and look on your face that you've been there before and some of you might be there now. Could I say this? When that happens, don't cut and run. Don't move. When I can't understand something, I just be still and know that he's God. I just sit still. I don't do nothing. When I'm confused, it ain't God. God's not the author of confusion. Something's happening right now, and I, I cannot figure it out. I'm just going to sit still. And eventually, he will speak. You see, at these times, write this down, Isaiah 30 and verse 15. It says, in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Sometimes when he's not speaking, preacher, is when we get our strength. See, it's these times your strength is revealed in the hard times. Your character is revealed in crisis. Not when everybody can shout it out and you're having a great winter revival. It's when the church is the lowest. That's when the character of the church is revealed. I want to say this, and I want you, everybody to listen to me very carefully. The worst day in a fundamental, independent, Bible-believing Baptist church, the worst day is better than any, the best day of any church in your city. And if you don't understand that, you don't know the scriptures. 
We got rock and roll churches all over this place, and they're nothing but entertainment centers. They ain't seeing nobody saved, nobody snatched from the burning. And if you have the songs of Zion that you sang with the right book being preached, you're a winner, my friend. I'm going to say it again. The worst day in a fundamental, independent, Bible-believing Baptist church is better than the best day in any church in your area. That's why I'm a fundamental, independent, big, big Baptist, and I'm that by conviction, not just because I got saved in one. I've studied it out. If there's anything closer to the New Testament church, I'd go join it tomorrow. See, being human, sometimes, lack of faith, preacher, sometimes we, we, we misinterpret what God's doing when he's silent. These times we need to just be still and know. This building program will reveal a lot of things in church. It reveal the strength of church, <clears throat> reveal the strength of you personally. You know, something about marching on for God that Satan just hates, and he'll get involved in something just trying to disrupt everything. Martin Luther said once, prayed in, out of frustration, Oh, God, judge us, but don't be silent. We bear heartache and pain better than silence. This brings me to the question, what do we do when God ain't talking to us? What do we do when God gets silent? You ought to write them down. She was a great example. Number one, number one, look at it in verse 25. She served and loved and worshiped our Lord anyway. Folks, are y'all with me today? Did y'all read the same scripture? He, our Lord, our loving Lord that saved our wretched soul treated her unkindly. If most of us, if the preacher would treat you the way our Lord treated her, you wouldn't be a member of this church. You'd leave. Amen. Have mercy. Have mercy. I, I want you to look at it, verse 25. Then she came and worshiped him. My goodness. Suddenly she'd get mad at him. But she worshiped him. You know, folks, it's always right to do right, and it's always right to worship our Lord. Could I help y'all? Right now, you're not worshiping the Lord. I don't know if anybody ever taught you that, but you're not worshiping the Lord. You're being taught how to worship the Lord. We're preaching to you to teach you how to. Let me tell you what you did a while ago when everybody was singing out and people were shouting and having a good time. That's worship. You're giving to him. That's worship when you give Offering, that's giving to him. That's worship. Right now, you're receiving from him. It's not worship. You come here to worship, and you do that when you do those things. Now, understand something. Serving and loving and worshiping our Lord is always in order. Regardless how she felt <clears throat> she was by, and treated by the Lord, she still and came and worshiped him. Wouldn't it be a great thing if all the membership here would be in such a frame of mind that no matter how they were ever treated by anybody in the church, they ain't going nowhere. We're staying right here. My daddy was an ex-professional boxer. He's tough as nails. Got saved four months after I got saved. He said, ain't nobody changed like you, boy. He said, that ain't religion. Whatever it is, I want it, and I want it tonight. Man, I, I went through the ceiling. I mean, my daddy was a weekend drunk fighter. He and I did the same thing every weekend, just went different ways. And here's my daddy looking at me. Man, I've cut my long hair. I've, I cleaned up. I was going out sewing it that night. And daddy, daddy said, sit down. I thought he was going to put me in an institution because I had changed so much. I guess he thought I was crazy. But that's what daddy told me. He said, I want what you have and I want it tonight. Now think about that for a minute. What, what a deal. And, and, and I... I, I you know, he, he, got, he got baptized, and, and he went to Brother Smith. I think I told you the story already. I don't want to go through it again. But I remember I said, Daddy, you need to come with me tonight. And uh, we went, and we went to the soul winning group, and Brother Smith was pardoning people up. He said, Keith, are you going with your daddy? He knew my daddy was lost. We had been praying for him forever, four months. I said, no, sir, we need to see you. So he said, okay. Okay, so he hooked everybody up, and then we went across the hall, across the road where his office was, and my daddy straightened himself out, and he said, uh, Reverend Smith, now you knew he wouldn't say, because he called him Reverend, right? Reverend Smith, he said, my boy here. He's trying to tell me how to be saved, but he's my son. I don't want to listen to him. <laughs> he said, he's my boy. He said, but I've never seen anybody that changed like that ever in the 50 years I've been a human. And he said, that ain't religion, because he was religious before. There ain't nothing changed him like that. 
He said, and he tells me I need to get saved. He said, I want to hear it from you. And I remember Brother Smith got his Bible, showed him the same thing I've showed my daddy about being saved, the Romans wrote. And he said, Mr. Gomez, we'd get on your knees and ask the Lord to save you. I remember we got on the side of a couch and he said, go ahead, Mr. Gomez, just go ahead and call on the Lord, ask him to save you. And my daddy got quiet. And man, I was kneeling next time. I looked to him, I saw tears coming down. The third time I ever seen my daddy weep. I said, he's going to back out of this thing. Because he, he didn't say anything. He was quiet. And all of a sudden, my daddy spoke. He said, Reverend, he said, I've been a Catholic 50 years. I don't know how to pray. I remember Brother Smith said, Brother Gomez, Mr. Gomez, he said, if you just pray this prayer, mean it with your heart, and ask God to save you, he'll save you. I remember he helped my daddy phrase the prayer. And my daddy got up off his knees, and he said, I got saved tonight. He said, according to my son now, I've got to get baptized. He said, I'll be here Sunday and take care of that. Mm -hmm. Daddy joined the church. Of course, my mother, you heard the testimony. I think I gave it last time. My mother got saved a year and four months. I'll get into that at the end of the message. I remember daddy would come to church, and I don't mean ugly to nobody here, but my daddy would come to church, and when he'd come through the all he'd been there, he was there till he died, and was there many, many years, decades. He'd come through the, the foyer, and Johnny come lately, guys, that just joined the church, would grab my dad and said, hi, sir, good to have you. My dad said, well, good to have you too. <laughs> he wasn't being ugly. But my daddy would say, son, I don't know what happened to the good to have yous. They ain't nowhere around to shake my hand anymore and say, good to have you. Sit still. You see, those good-to-have-yous and the Johnny-come-latelys are those who get offended very easy. But you go get an old codger like my daddy, you ain't running him off with a stinking team of mules, and I don't give a rip what you say. My daddy had some problems with the church. He didn't want the preacher to say anything about politics from the pulpit. He said, I have to preach God's word. Not hey, I said, Dad, we've got to let the folks know about what's going on in the country and who to vote for. <laughs> or you'll get what we got now. But anyway, uh, so... <laughs> But my daddy was tough, tough dude, but you couldn't run him off. You couldn't offend him. And that's what I'm trying to say. People would shake his hand. He'd go, now what's the, he really figured this guy shaking my hand saying, good to have you, ain't going to be around in six months. But you're not going to offend my daddy. He loved his preacher, but he loved his Lord more. Are y'all with me now? An old man who fought and drank all of his life, and all of a sudden now he's saved by the grace of God, and I don't care where we're at. We, we, I took him fishing one time with the staff down, down the state of Louisiana, and I remember I preached at a place, and by the time we got down to the home of Louisiana, it was so late. It was 1 o'clock in the morning. All I wanted to do is L.A. Plante. That means hit the bed and go to sleep. <laughs> and, man, I covered, and my daddy, I looked at my daddy, and there he was on his knees with his King James Bible at 1 o'clock in the morning. He hadn't read his Bible yet. Or should I say that he did it every night before he went to bed? And there he was on his knees. At this time, he was, I don't know, maybe 58, 60 years old. That's a changed life. That's somebody who's going to stick around long enough not to get offended. I'm simply saying that regardless how she felt and she was treated by the Lord, she still worshiped him. And we sometimes bargain with the sovereign trying to manipulate the sovereign. We can't manipulate. He's not a puppet. Uh, he, he, he'll deal with us. We don't deal with him and try to manipulate him. Uh, now, this lady, she was not offended very easy. I want you to look at it, please. I, I just read the scripture as it is. She was not offended very easy. <laughs> Have mercy on me. The second thing I want to say is be persistent in prayer and asking. Look at verse 25. Lord, help me. Could I say this to you, that you need to be persistent in begging him over certain issues? Listen carefully, please. I'm talking about being a persistent beggar. All across this nation as we travel, in every intersection. Come on, talk to me. Every intersection. I just saw one a while ago that moved me when we were there. Did you see that sign? It said, I'm, I'm raising money for a funeral. I believe the guy was true. I mean, he was, he was dressed okay. He wouldn't, it's not somebody begging for money. Somebody, was, somebody died, and he was trying to raise some money to bury him. I thought it was pretty legit. 
But about it, right? Got to sign, you know. I, I like the one that says, I ain't lying. I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't need food. I need a beer. Would you be, you know, at least the guy's honest. Say amen right there. At least he's honest. At least he's honest. Not saying, I, you know, I need food and then he takes it and buys drugs. But anyway. <laughs> you know the problem with most of you? You would never do that. You'd starve to death before you'd ever become a persistent beggar. Could I say this to you? If you're ever going to get great prayers answered for a grievously vexed daughter, you're going to have to become a persistent beggar. I want you to look at it. Lord, help me. You know the story over there in John or Luke chapter 11 where the man came and, you know, friend, loan me loaves. I have a friend just dropped in, just dropped in. He didn't call. He had a cell phone. I don't know why he didn't call, but, but he just dropped in. And I need some, I ain't got nothing to put before him. Give me some bread. Go away. We're in bed. Go away. Friend, friend, loan me some loaves. I got a friend. No, go away. You read that scripture. That is not a story just to bore us or black words on white piece of paper. The Lord was trying to teach us something to be a persistent beggar. And then the next verse is ask, seek, and knock. In the linear, linear tense, which means continue to ask, continue to seek, continue to knock. Don't ever quit. And finally, listen carefully. He said, open this door and gave him all that he needed, all that he wanted. Like, leave me alone, please. We're trying to go to sleep. Watch it. It's called... Because of importunity. Need to study that word out. That's what we need to be. It's talking about troublesome. I know you think I'm being irreverent right now, but I'm not. You need to trouble God. Become troublesome. Come on, mama. You know what I'm talking about. Mama, come on with them candy, please, please. No. Mama, please. No. Mama, mama. You know, in, in, in the line when you're checking out, they want all, they know where to advertise all that candy, right? Some of you younger, younger family, you can say amen right there. And they're going to scream and cry and say, okay, just hush. A child knows more about getting things out of you than you getting it out of God. Persistent beggar because of importunity. Troublesome. Insistent solicitation. I, I want you to look at it, please. Look at it. Lord, help me. Could I say this to you, and I want to hasten this message, that the Lord will speak in time? I said he's always in the shadows. He's always there, and he always cares. But sometimes he's not speaking. There might be a reason why. I want you to look at verse 26. But he answered and said, it is not me to take the children's bread and cast the dogs. Listen carefully. I've been in this thing a long time. Folks, I don't even get nervous. I, I don't take a half a baby aspirin because somebody gets offended. I can't do that anymore. I have no problem telling a, any woman on planet Earth that's been influ influenced by the ERA movement and feels she's got equal rights. Equal rights? Are you kidding me? Most of you ladies are tremendous. You're, you're a lot smarter than some of us men. Really are. But you are smart enough to marry us. But anyway, <laughs> I, I, and I, I've never been scared of a woman. I've never been scared of one until I met some Iowa girls. <laughs> and we moved to Iowa. And when they start shaving, I, it bothers me a great deal. But anyway, when they got beards as long as I do, I, it bothers me a great deal. I, I said, I never, I'd never, I, if you think we're equal, let's, let's arm wrestle after service. <laughs> then I met some informed girls, and I said, I ain't saying that no more. <laughs> So I have no problem taking the Bible and showing what God, ought. you ain't got a problem with me. You got a problem with God. I can show you in the scripture where a lady fits in her home and in the church. I have no problem with that. But I ain't never called a woman a dog. Y'all better sit still and look at me. I've never called a woman a dog. I want you to look at it. I didn't write it. I'm trying to preach it to you. He called her a dog. Lord, help me. I'm not going to cast my pearl before swine, 
nor to dogs. Look, she, she understood Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. The Lord get, give not that which is holy unto dogs, neither cast your pearl for swine, lest they trample them underfoot and feet and turn again and rend you. She understood that. She understood that Jews called Gentiles dogs and hogs. Folks, there's something that woman had in her mind to understand that my need is greater than my pride. And I don't care how I'm treated. He's the only one that can help me. And I'm not running anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to become a persistent beggar. And I'm going to worship the one that I need to worship. I want you to notice, please, in verse 27, astounding. She didn't say, well, guess what, buddy? You treated me wrong. I'm out of here. I heard that you're a loving Savior and you love everybody. And you... She didn't say any of that. He called her a dog and she said, truth, Lord. Whoa. Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs. And fall from the master's table. And Lord, all I need is a crumb. I don't need the whole loaf. I don't need the whole enchilada to you Spanish folks. I just need a crumb. Would you just give me a crumb and heal my grievously vexed daughter? Listen carefully. The truth of the matter is, folks, we read these scriptures and we read these stories and we don't enter into them. But every mother here ought to enter into that story and every young lady in it ought to enter in that story and say, how would my mother feel if I was that sick? How would every mother feel if you had a daughter that was absolutely grievously vexed with the devil? What was happening at home? She just knew she needed help. Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. The next thing I want to say, and I'm just about through, is you've got to continue to be humble and desperate. Humble and desperate. Preacher, we've got too much pride in our churches and everywhere. We just don't understand that at times when we have needs, it's not time to bow up. It's not time to accuse God. It's not time to point the finger across the aisle. It's time to be humble. Her humble response of admission of her desperation. She loved her daughter as much as any woman in this room loved their daughter. And she needed help. And she went to the only one that could help her. Before our Lord will open up to us many times, preacher, we're going to have to humble ourselves through the mighty hand of God and admit we're needy people. We're such needy people. This vile, vile, Stuff that's hanging on to our soul is always leaning to the left, always trying to pull us away from God, right. always trying to judge stuff, always trying to accuse him. I've already said that. It's amazing when things go on in our life, sometimes we, we, we blame him. Yeah. And sometimes he has nothing to do with it. I'm, I'm simply saying that we've got to humble ourselves and understand we're a needy person. Her response impressed our Lord because her need was greater than her pride. See, when you have pride, when somebody treats you like that, it's let, let me show you. Y'all know the scripture when it said the greatest is the servant. Come on, talk to me now. Greatest in the kingdom. I can, well, preacher, if I'm anything, I'm a servant. Let me treat you like one and we'll find out if you are. Amen. And everybody wants to be that servant and say, I'm a servant. Let me treat you and we'll find out. In most cases, and all these years, you'll bow up and want to take my head off if I treat you like a servant. But you'll go around and spout that stuff. I'm simply saying that she wasn't going to do that because her need was greater than her pride. Her faith moved our Lord in the action and pushed him in the answering. Because when she said truth, Lord, what you said was truth. But my daughter is still sick and I just need a crumb. Which leads me to the next Statement, don't ever stop asking until you hear from God Almighty. Look at verse 28, if you would please. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, O woman, great is thy faith. Yeah. 
Son, he spoke. Wouldn't you like to hear that from our Lord? Yeah. After all, oh, oh, woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Would you please enter into the story? How many years, how old she was, I have no idea. But that woman had put up with some junk for a long time. That's why she came to the Lord and begged him. Begged him. Can you imagine the joy that happened in that home when that girl said, Mama, where have I been? What's happened to me? Mama, come here. Grabbed that mother and hugged her before maybe she was throwing things at her mother, maybe trying to kill her mother. I've dealt with situations in my churches and around the country with demon-possessed individuals trying to kill their parents. Dealt with one one time, took Brother Ballard on one. He, he begged me, he said, don't ever take me on one of those pastoral calls again. It freaked him out, man. That kid, would, he said, I'd get on my knees and start praying and I'd hear voices that killed my, killed my mama. Could it be? I don't know, but I know this, that when that girl was made whole from that very hour, something happened in the house that I would to God that Baptists would get a hold of. There was a shouting fit right there, man. They understood when God had answered that prayer, but it was something. She had her daughter whole in her right mind. Think about that guy in the tombs. When they saw him cast all those legions out to those swine, we've been there. You know, it talks about them swine going off that deep cliff into the into the, the lake of Gennesaret. I, we've been there, and I've looked. I tried to survey the, the land. And I said, man, if it happened, it had to happen right there because that's a cliff right there going in that sea. Now think about that guy. The chains couldn't even hold him. His supersonic strength of demons. And all of a sudden, he's dressed. He's not nude anymore. He's dressed. Isn't it amazing that we send missionaries overseas to put... Get people saved, put clothes on them while in America we're supposed to be a Christian nation. We're taking them off. Anyway, just another didn't cost much, but I figured I'd throw that in. Um, in this guy, he, now he's clothed in his right mind, sitting in his right mind. Now, folks, I don't know if you know this or not. That was somebody's son. wonder what his parents thought about that. I'll tell you how they thought about it. The same way my daddy did. I had never seen anybody change like that. I've never seen anybody transform that like that. When God does a work in your life, everybody will know it. I'm afraid we've got too many people joining churches and never been born again. Y'all listen to me carefully, please. I'm through tonight. He'll give you the desires of your heart when you do these things and take this woman as a pattern of getting things from God. He'll give you the desires of heart. My mother, it was 485 days before my mother got saved. Witnessed her every day for 485 days, witnessed my mother every day that I breathed. Even on Sundays, we'd go before Sunday school, even after. I'd go after church, not only to witness to her, but to eat her good Cajun food. But anyway, but I witnessed my mother continually. Then when my daddy got saved, we double teamed her. Think about that for a minute. Are y'all with me? And so I'm simply saying that it was like impossible. She was so devout. She was so, such a devout Catholic. I said, there's no way. I grab her around the feet at times and cry on her feet. and said, Mommy, you got to get saved. I can't understand somebody bringing me into the world and then my mother's going to die and burn in hell forever and ever and ever. I can't, I can't handle that. I, I, I can't handle that, Mama. She said, my priest says I'm okay. I said, your priest is going to go to hell with you, mama, if you listen to him. You better listen to God's word. I was tough on her, man. Me and daddy both were tough on her. And finally, my mother came to Jesus Christ after 484 days or 85 days. The Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. Could I say this to you? If you become a persistent beggar, and do what this woman did. God will answer your prayers. There's some hard cases in this room. you got some moms and dads representing this room right now. Your mom and dad's not saved. Your aunt and uncle, your grandmother, grandfather, your brother and sister. If you just do what this woman did, you'd be shocked how God would use you to lead your loved one to Jesus Christ. For you to sit in a fundamental Bible-believing Baptist church and you got kinfolk going to hell. And I know you're concerned with them, but have you talked to them? 
Well, I'll tell you what, they don't want to hear it. Well, what are you going to do, drive them to hell number two? Talk to them. Get a hold of God. If you can get God's ear, he'll get their ear. Trust me. See, we, for, for we know that all things work together, preacher. All of that will work together for good. So I'm asking you a question I'm through. Are you in the place spiritually? I don't care if you're part of this church and you're here and you're saying good a while ago. Are you spiritually in a position for God to speak to you? Tonight, people are not here tonight. Some people are not here tonight because there's something more important in church. Yeah, that's what they say. We, we actually got preachers that ain't preaching tonight. They're showing the Super Bowl is what they're doing on the film. That's how spiritual they are. Wonder how spiritual they are. Don't, don't freeze up on me, folks. I'm talking to you right now. I'm asking you a question. Are you positionally, spiritually in a position where God can speak to you or have you drifted? There might be a reason why God's not speaking. I've seen times when I backslid, and when I backslid, God stopped speaking to me because I, I was not in a position spiritually for him to talk to me. had nothing to do with the Word of God. had nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. had nothing to do with my preacher. had everything to do with me. I was out of sync. Have you grieved the Holy Spirit? Some of you even bored with the church sometimes. Are you grieved, have you grieved the Holy Spirit? My first wife died. I came to Texas, hunkered down in those boys' place down in Uvalde. I was grieving. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want anybody to call me. That's called grieving. Some of you know what I'm talking about. When you grieve, you withdraw from everybody. You want to be left alone. Well, when you talk about grieving the Holy Spirit, that's what he does. He withdraws himself from you, and he's not speaking to you anymore. There's a reason why God is not speaking. Are you in the place positionally, spiritually, for him to speak to you? Have you grieved the Holy Spirit of God? Are you distracted because of social media? Listen carefully. I don't, I don't want to wreck the service tonight, but I'm telling you right now. Ever since that came out right there, there's something happened in the United States of America and even Northwest Bible Baptist Church that changed everything. Folks, listen, you can't fool an old bird like me. I've been around a long time. We used to see... What you experienced tonight in singing, we used to have that throughout the meeting and also the preaching. And when preaching go forth, this place would just be, I mean, covered with people in their face. Listen now. Oh, God. Oh, God. I used to hear that all the time. God, help. Oh, God. I used to hear crying out at the altar. When was the last time we heard that? About the time... The phones came out. We're so distracted. You can't wait to get out of here. Me shut up just to check and see who. Don't freeze up on me, folks. It's true. There's some people we sat in service. Kim and I sat in service sometimes where we're sitting and people are just playing with their phone the whole time looking at what who. Did we not? Babe? We sat in service the other day. The whole time they were, they were a group in front of a group. Kid. Well, they were older. They were probably 18, 19, 20 years old. Played with their phone the whole time the preacher was preaching. Y'all need to hear me now when I say this. Are we distracted with social media or even problems that we can't hear the voice of God anymore? You know, the preacher said, divorce yourself from everything out there and let's get tuned in. That's what I'm trying to say. When you come to church, you understand that you're going to be here for a little while. You know, 30 minutes when the preacher preaches, 45 or 50 when I do. I don't normally sport a beard. But if I couldn't grow one more than your preacher, I wouldn't even attempt to. If you put a little milk around there, a, a cat will lick every bit of that off right there. That's that, that's that Asiatic blood in him, right? He got about three strands coming down. But I had to. Is he silent trying to get your attention? I said, is he silent trying to get your attention? Every man in this room that's married know what I'm talking about. Because when she's silent, that's nonverbal communication, sir. And if you're a young buck that just got married, I'm trying to help you, son. <laughs> nonverbal communication. And you're so dumb, you said, anything wrong? No. 
She's silent for a reason. She's trying to get your attention. Could he be silent and not speaking to us because he's trying to get our attention? And that's why we need to fall on our face and say, Dear God, I'm not quite sure what's going on. But I want to get back in line. If I'm out of line, I want to get in line. Lord, and there's a reason why you're not speaking. Would you please tell me? Because you've been silent. You've got my attention. You've got my attention. Is your pride greater than your problem? There's two reasons why you ought to walk the aisle. There's some never do, preacher. It's, it's a sad thing that you'll preach. I preached at Northwest 40 years. There's some folks I couldn't blast out of the pew if I had two sticks of dynamite. They're like big old bullfrogs hanging on the grenade. You know, try to blast me out. Just wouldn't move. Just won't move. Several things. First of all, we don't even understand what an altar's for. As I go through that book, as I have so many times, you know what I see in that book? An altar is a place you die. And if the Holy Ghost of God has spoken to you through the preaching of God's word and you're convicted about something, you ought to come die to it. That's what the altar call is for. So if God spoke to you, that's one reason you ought to come. The second reason you ought to come is because he didn't speak to you. You got to ask yourself a question. That book was written by the Holy Ghost. The preacher is supposed to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And you're supposed to be saved and have the Holy Ghost. Those three ought to bear witness. And if those three are not bearing witness, you've got to ask yourself a question. What's wrong with me? You're either not saved or you have grieved him to the point where he's not speaking. That's why you ought to come. Because he spoke to you. And because he's not speaking. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.